Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Undead Walking Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. everyone we're back with another episode of the undead walking podcast i'm your host sarah beth pollock and i am thrilled once again we have we've been having great guests guest hosts on the show recently and today i'm joined by two of my favorite people they are my undead walking family i am joined by none other than renee hansen and adam b carlson and we're going to be talking about the walking dead 1106 on the inside Renee, Adam, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you for being here to talk about The Walking Dead. Yeah, thanks for having us. My first time on the Undead Walking podcast. This is great. <laughs> it's your first time in season three, but <laughs> you've, uh, you're, you're a recurring member of the family, Adam. <laughs> it's been a while, though. It feels fresh. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a while since we've had new episodes, so, you know. That's true, too. I don't even know if we're technically in season three. I just kind of arbitrarily decided that since it was a new season, I was a new season of The Walking Dead. I was just going to call it season three. But we actually, now that I think about it, we actually did just celebrate our 50th episode. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's uh, the podcast launched last August or July something. I don't know. I don't even know when it launched, but it's been about a year. So we're going strong. and and um. I'm just thrilled to have you guys to have you guys here. I would love to start just uh, we'll start with Renee. I, w- I would love to know how are you liking The Walking Dead season 11 so far? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's been action packed and I've enjoyed all the new characters. You know, you kind of going into the final season, you think maybe some of that would taper off, but they seem to have cranked that up and it's exciting to see all the new characters that we're getting and all the, you know, the introductory, you know, being introduced to the Commonwealth is very interesting because I haven't read that far in the comics, just bits and pieces. So I'm kind of going along with the story. So it, that, that's been very interesting. How about you, Adam? I, um, I haven't been too into this season so far. I feel like a lot of what's been ramped up as drama feels like a lot of rehashed stuff from villains of past and storylines of past. And the Reapers don't quite feel unique and fresh to me the way that I really wish they would have. Like, they don't feel like they're their own creation. They feel like a weird blend of, like, the governor and the the saviors. And it, it just... Right now, it's not working too much for me right now. But on the other hand, as a comic reader, I really love the way they've been exploring the Commonwealth, the way they've been adapting that storyline that that Rick had from when he was going there. And and when Michonne 
was able to find her family there. Being able to take those big plot lines and be able to kind of hand them out to other people and see the way they differentiate that from the TV show to the comics. I mean, it's that to me has been the most interesting part so far. And I really hope they can do something a little bit more special with the Reapers going forward and make them feel like a little bit more unique. But as of right now, I guess I do have enough to keep me moving forward and being entertained, but, but there's just feel like there's something missing and I don't know what it is, but I want it. Well, I can see that. I mean, it's, it's uh you know, obviously that's, that's one of the challenges, right? Like it's 11 seasons in, there are only certain, a certain number of ways you can do villains at this point. I mean, we've had cannibals, we've had, you know, crazy people who keep people in aquariums in their homes and. Um, yeah. But to know. see Pope do exactly what Negan did to the doctor at the, at the, you know, at, when the saviors were trying to make their point that they were the big, you know, big baddies, I mean, it, it just, it, it didn't work for me. No, I could totally see that. And, you know, the, the one thing, though, that, that makes me worry about, and I said this in the podcast last week, the thing that, that bugs me about Pope is with Negan, you didn't get the sense that he was insane. Right. Negan is not insane. He had a method to his madness and, and it was madness to an extent, but he was not insane. He knew what he was doing. If you think to when Pope threw that guy in the fire, if you look at the way his people reacted, you know, they went to jump, they, they jumped, they went to, to intervene and then they stopped and right. they sat back down and started eating again. And you realize that there's something going on that's much bigger than I, I think, you know, that, that we've seen, that we've seen, that's something that's new. It's some, we've certainly seen crazy dictator leader people. We've seen, <laughs> you know, the, we, we've seen the people at the hospital, for example, are, are, are kind of similar. They have these ideologies that, that are really twisted, but they're ideologies nonetheless. And so, you know, Pope has an ideology. It's just, I think anytime you start mixing religion and want to say that, you know, God's speaking to you through fire, that, you probably don't want to join up with those people it's just but then again people wanted to walk around wearing walker skin so <laughs> i i don't know what i can say about decision making in the apocalypse at this point i do feel kind of like they took pope and they wanted to adapt a little bit what i what i feel is that they wanted to adapt a little bit of the comic version of the governor who was a more cartoony over the top villain i don't know if either of you guys read that far in the comics to get to just how insanely cartoon villainous the governor was compared to the more toned down humanized version that AMC saw. So I, I get that they might want to bring that version of a baddie to life in a little bit, but I think they even missed the point on that one a little bit because I, I, I'm just not, seeing the way he can command people. I, I don't see how he gained this army. It all seems very fabricated. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. What do you think, Renee? Well, I was thinking that like when he put the guy in the fire, I thought that Leah had looked over to Daryl almost with a look of like, you know, she kind of leaned up, you know, like you had mentioned how she 
like to do something, but then kind of sat back. But the look she gave Daryl was almost like a plead for help kind of thing. Like, I almost feel like she went back with these guys and things aren't quite like they used to be. Like he, you know, maybe he was a certain way and I don't know if it's some PTSD stuff, you know, whatever it is, but he's gotten a lot worse than what she remembered him being. And so what, you know, whether it's a mental illness or, you know, whatever it is that's, you know, consuming him, that he's just gradually getting worse. And I don't think they know how to handle it. You know, like he's our leader and we all know he's going off the deep end, but what do we do kind of thing? Yeah, no, there's definitely, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're both saying. And I think that there is that sense that they're trying to bring elements of everybody and put them into this character you know, like I kept seeing apocalypse now in <laughs> hope, like, you know, the guy who's been out in the middle of the forest for, you know, like Joseph Conrad, heart of darkness, like the dude, they're looking for this guy. And then like, there he is. And he's created this whole culture, you know, anyone who works in the military, um, not so much modern day military, maybe like thinking back to like stories you would hear of people who went to Vietnam, went to Korea, people who were in world wars you know like they they tell stories of of what it was like because it was so different back then it wasn't the way modern warfare is and so he reminds me of that person like that kind of a soldier who who lived through some really crazy things and like it just the wrong button got pushed by the apocalypse and he just went completely off the rails and but you see and i think you're absolutely right adam i think you do you do see elements of everybody in him and that's what, you know, they're, I, I feel like that's what they're going for. But I, I definitely get the sense that there is, I, I think you're absolutely right, Renee, that, that there's, I, I don't know that everybody really wants to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, there's definitely some concern about where things are going and, you know, that, that he's so willfully putting people at risk. Their numbers are, dwind, are dwindling, like they're not getting new members. They're not out recruiting because they all came from the same kind of the same place so it's it's a weird it's a weird it's like almost like a suicide cult mm-hmm. so yeah, it you know, definitely, definitely does give added, that impression that's for sure yeah yeah and and really the only one who's making those decisions is pope i mean he's no one wants to cross him and you know except maybe daryl mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's kind of where we went in this week's episode out of the, uh on the inside because it, it definitely you definitely got the sense that that there's something going on and um yeah so i think with that let's let's dive into this episode say there's there's so many elements and um you know spoiler alert to uh to the fans i mean obviously obviously this is this podcast will run after uh sunday night so by sunday night you have either seen the episode on tv or you've watched on amc plus um for the purposes of just putting it out there it's it's we're actually recording this on the Wednesday before Sunday and I just watched the episode last night I mentioned it on Twitter I have not watched the episode and I waited because I wanted to to be fresh in my mind for this podcast and um yeah so everything that I saw when I saw people saying this episode creepy and scary and horror and, and Adam I know you were raving about it that you were really into the kind of the the horror elements of it yeah, I, I went on Twitter and uh, I I watched this episode on Monday because Sunday's for football. Sorry, <laughs> Walking Dead. But uh, yeah, M- Monday I watched this episode 
And the first thing that I saw out of it was, was these bright green colors popping, the, this, the light shining through and creating these beautiful rays. And it, that sort of awesome visual effects just kept going throughout the episode. And they were doing it not only visually, but they were playing some cool tricks with the ear too, to, to not only raise the tension in some places, but alleviate it in others. And the, they added some classic horror chase music as well. Honestly, everything technically in this episode was beautiful. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I know, Renee, you just watched it fairly this recently, morning. too. Yes. Yeah, well, so what were, I mean, you've seen people talking about it. What were your uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with Adam. I'm I love horror. I like I like slasher films you know and that's oh what yeah that whole that whole vibe to it you know just the even it just started out you know running you know in that whole the, there's like the spider with the web you know and the fog coming through and just all those and like you said the colors and the you know the music that it just was it just felt so much like uh just a traditional horror film and I love I just loved it so much <laughs> And I, I think that, you know, we're, I think we'll start our conversation talking about, you know, obviously that the, the main focus of this episode was, was getting, was, was getting to find out where Connie's been and she's been with Virgil, but what they've been up to. And we didn't get a lot of answers specifically, but we definitely get the sense that they, they've been together long enough that they know where they, like, they, they've been together. Like they know how to work together and they, they have a, a, a I'll use the word relationship, but you know that I'm not using it in that sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying, I'm saying they're, they, they, yeah, you don't want to get the shippers after you. <laughs> I'm not saying it that way. I'm saying it. They, they've been together. They have a sense of togetherness and they have camaraderie. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I think that's, what's so fascinating to me about this episode. Cause I think, I mean, it, you, you're both so right about the, the elements that it incorporates, but I love the play with the sound because I think that's, you know, whenever you, you know, if you, if you watch a horror movie with your eyes closed, which is how I do it because I don't like horror at all, but I, I watch <laughs> it regularly. I just don't watch it because I have my eyes closed. That's, I can't, that's the only way I can do it. Um, you know, it's the, the elements of sound that really drives so much of the things if you take the if you put it on mute and you watch a horror movie it's not nearly as scary because you don't have the cues mm -hmm. that you know sound produces and so I think you know in, in any situation when you think about being denied one of the senses it really changes the way that you look at things and obviously with with uh Lauren Ridloff when you think about where she is um you know you know being a deaf actor on a show set in the apocalypse and she's been you know just so incredible um but these episodes where they they basically give the viewer the sense like what this would be like viewing everything without being able to hear it was the first time we got to experience that was that uh in the in the field with the baby that's what that i'm thinking yeah i think so that's the first time i remember it yeah and it really changed. I know they've played with it since with uh, with Kelly's hearing mm -hmm. and, you know, being kind of going in and out because she, you know, her, her hearing's kind of progressively going away. Right. But the, the silence, that, that was when I remember it the most. I can't 
think of any other time they've done it, but this was the, the episode to do it with. I mean, this, this really, you know, not being able to communicate, not being able to, um, you know, the tapping, like everything was so perfectly, I mean, hats off to the writers for constructing this episode that just really highlights, uh, you know, Lauren's ability as an actor, but Connie's presence as a character and, you know, what she's experiencing. I mean, it, it really felt like we were kind of assuming her, her point of view and, you know, not being able to, to say anything or hear anything. It's just, it's incredible. You know, I thought even just that first scene where they, when they got into the house and she's leaning up against the door, you know, she can't hear all those walkers, but she could feel that pressure on the door. And you're just like, you know, you're breathing with her because she can feel that pressure coming more and more that she knows without hearing the sound, she knows there are bunches of those pushing against that door. And that was just, it was just frightening. All right, I got to address something right off the bat here first. When they were trying to get in that house, I'm a big guy. I, I, I weigh quite a bit. And watching Lauren Ridloff throw herself <laughs> against that door, trying to break it open, I felt bad for her because I'm like, I could lower my shoulder and go through that door in one, maybe two hits. She was just sitting there pounding and pounding and pounding. It's like, it's going to take you a lot of hits there. Yeah. I just kept thinking like she is a god she is a member of the eternals like <laughs> she has been training she could break any door down yeah, you and your comic book stuff <laughs> uh, i just I, I the only reason i mention it is that i i it was impossible not to notice the strength in her arms and mm-hmm. and i know she's always been like she's you know she runs and she like i watch on her social media she always she's always posting about you know she's she's very active but the arms i think really reveal that she's been in a marvel movie recently (laughs) but i would love you to you know so you know i i I love you know we've got this haunted house classic haunted house story um but there's you know there's something that was chasing them in and they get in and they think it's safe but then you know connie goes into the bathroom and realizes like hey there's somebody else here and she's trying to convey that to to Virgil and at first he doesn't believe her he thinks he blames it on lack of sleep which is interesting because as a a narrative device if someone hasn't gotten a lot of sleep you do have to question as a viewer how much can you trust that you're seeing right like you you do have to kind of that calls into question like is someone delirious or are they really experiencing this and clearly she was not you know she was not delusional there were there were there were people in the walls and where the hell did these people come from these these feral <laughs> crawly creepy crawly people yeah I, I saw a lot of people on the the facebook page and twitter for amc when they posted that one photo of one of these people up in the corner of a room and people could not figure out what it was and the ones that kind of could figure it out were trying to figure out how people would get that way but what we have to remember is that it's been many, many years since this apocalypse hit. This could easily be a family that left a, a group of younger kids to go get some food or something and ended up dying and left people fending for themselves and never really learned how to walk upright or never really learned how to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of possibility there, but man, it just, it really, I mean, you're, cause you're right. It's, it's, I mean, can we safely say it's been, it's been at least 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So to think that that's happened so quickly, <laughs> it's one of those things that it just, it, it boggles my mind that they've, they've become creepy crawly people so quickly, like that the humanity has devolved like everything else, I can totally understand the Negans and the Popes and the governors and the, even the alphas to some extent. Cause like, if you're going to go crazy, you might as well do it like full on. So wear the Walker skins, like, you know, Lord of the flies, just do it. But the creepy crawly people, that's like, that's a whole other element. Cause that means it, it raises questions, right? Like they have this house and they've clearly constructed these ways of navigating it with the sliding doors and like they have a system so like there's intelligence there yeah you can tell that they were using the sliding walls to kind of be able to trap off and separate their prey so they were easier to pick off and Mm -hmm. sadly they picked the wrong people to try to pick off right right which yeah it it um it it was just yeah I, i i'm still gonna be baffled by the uh by these creepy crawly people but the what was really just I mean performances were just great I mean Kevin Carroll as Virgil is just I really loved seeing him with 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 Lauren Ridloff and I love Virgil and Connie and you know seeing them work together and, and and you know regardless of how long they've been together at this point you know trying to get back to Connie's people you do get that sense that they they've been through enough to where they, they trust each other, but they're also, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because you have Connie who has been through this nightmare situation of being stuck in this cave full of walkers. And then you have Virgil who was off doing his psychedelic weeds in, you know, his little facility with his dead family and, you know, all of the stuff he had going on mentally, you know, when he was doing his, his psychedelic stuff. So they're both dealing with a whole lot of stuff Plus, they're in this situation, you know, that is just elevated with with insanity, um, with the creepy crawly people. So, watching them try and navigate all of these things, and and you know, for him, for it to become real for him, was an interesting moment because he didn't believe that they were in danger until he saw it with his own eyes, and then he was like, "She was right," but you know, now this dude's leaping on my back, and we got to go. Like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy that, you know, they're, neither one of them have had a break, really. Like, this, it, it, they've probably gone from one, one extreme to another, and now here they are. Yeah, I mean, horror, horror movies have been so good over the years, with a, a lot of them having such a good way of being able to set up storylines and narratives that involve things that, are out of the ordinary. I mean, it's not too often you get to bust a hole in a wall and pull someone out. No. But it seems to happen a lot in horror movies. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am going to look at air conditioning ducts a little differently now. <laughs> <laughs> the transit system for the creepy crawlies. That's right. But hey, when, when they're as low to the ground as they are, and watching people crawl around like that, I mean, it's definitely going to have a little bit of an impact. I mean, I'm not used to seeing that. So when I, when I see people moving around in an unconventional manner like that, it's definitely <laughs> enough to give you a little bit of a creep out. I don't know if you guys have watched the, the movie Malignant that came out recently. 
Yes. yes. But they did something a little similar where they took something that they took fight scenes and the way that the people fought were a little were unconventional. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Yes. As so that I don't <laughs> ruin the movie. But yeah, anytime you can get that kind of an unconventional fight scene. And as far as The Walking Dead goes, this is pretty close to as unconventional as you can get. <laughs> I mean, it, it raises things up a little bit and it makes it a little interesting. And I felt like this episode with this particular storyline at this moment was exactly what was needed to just raise the tension up and up and up. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. It was really good. Yeah, really good the way they, they did this. And I had heard, you know, people saying that there was going to be one of the episodes that was like a horror story. And I was very much looking forward to it. So I was very pleased when it was as good as it is. And one thing I thought that was really good, you're talking about, you know, how, you know, Connie and Virgil, you know, I don't know how long they've been, they haven't been together that long because, you know, that, not that much time has gone since he found her really. But I liked how he is like just so protective of her. Like he has made it his mission to get her back to her family, whatever his, you know, whatever it costs him, you know, and I think that kind of goes back to Michonne giving him that second chance. So I kind of, I like that, um, you know, and they, I just thought that was really neat because it shows that he, you know, did change from what he had been. Absolutely. And I loved, I I have to say that I loved how it was Connie who saved him. So, you know, he's committed to getting her back to his family, to her family. But in the end, she was like, I'm not going to leave you here. We're going to go together. You know, he's injured. She comes up with this idea to let the walkers in and she rescues him. And it was just such a powerful moment. Yeah, he'd been stabbed a couple of times. So things were not looking good for him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm really glad and I have no idea what happens to him in the comics. I, I really appreciate that he didn't die. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, this is going to be that moment where if they make it back to Alexandria, because God knows nobody else is <laughs> like, those are those things that you're like, oh yeah, that'll be great. Cause that'll, you know, do this, this that'll really change things. And then they don't make it back and you're yeah. like, oh crap. Like, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think I, I was really glad that he, he got to survive because that's going to really, like, he's going to be able to say, like, no, Michonne didn't just leave. She left to go find, you know, her husband. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think anyone needs thing. to hear that more than Judith right now. Yeah. After everything that's going on with, with her and getting bullied a little bit and feeling a little bit alone and her little circle of friends trying, trying their best to keep her hanging on. She needs a little bit of reassurance right now. But she knows that, doesn't she? Yeah, she knows. But she yeah. needs to hear it. She she may know it, but she needs to hear that Michonne's out there making these positive effects on people and that her being gone isn't just a, a mission for her, but that she's out doing other good things. Uh, I, I like to think that Judith is that next generation of superhero in, in The Walking Dead like Rick Grimes out there trying to do good as much as possible. And for her to know that Michonne is gone, she knows that, of course. But to know that she's out there making a positive impact on other people, I think that will be enough to help her make it through what is a really dark time right now. Mm -hmm. 
you make a really good point, Adam, because I was like that. I, I think you're absolutely right that it will be good because she'll know that that Michonne helped Virgil, which mm -hmm. is great. But I, I, my brain went a little bit darker on this because nobody knows what Michonne told Judith. Judith said she was going to look for someone or like she was going out to, you know, find help or what. I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but Judith knows that she was looking for the brave man. Mm -hmm. Judith knows what Michonne's mission was and she right. didn't tell anybody. So this makes me wonder what happens when Carol finds this out? What happens when Daryl finds this out? That's going to change the whole dynamic. So that makes me think maybe Virgil won't make it back or this won't, you know, because that's, you know, that, that's one of those things that could change the whole rest of the season. It very well could. And of course, with how badly he's injured, his, his survival right now is far from a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. At least they have a horse though, because, you know, as we, as we transition over to our conversation about the rescue eating. mission, <laughs> um you know when they i think we have to go backwards because we have to we've been talking about connie and virgil so you know the walkers are, are descending there's the crazy creepy crawlies coming outside and then they get shot in the head with some rocks and kelly is there to rescue her sister who she thought was dead and it's this beautiful moment and um so that was beautiful so but they do have, they did have a horse maybe. So maybe that, that will help them get Virgil back. But let's, let's talk about this, the, the quest to find Connie. So obviously that played out of last week's episode where. Thank you, tortured whisper. Yeah. The one, the, the plot device that made that, that makes sense now. Like they, they had to be there to reveal that particular clue. And, um, you know, we saw the urgency right? We saw the urgency with Carol and Kelly that they had to go and find Connie. Like that, that changed everything. And so they get back and then they're, they're in Alexandria. They're trying to figure out a plan. Well, come to find out Kelly decided to go and do her own thing. What did you do? What was your take on, on the, the rescue mission? Uh, personally, I was a little disappointed that the, the whole whisper at the the hilltop thing I, I was i was a little sad that that didn't follow a little bit more like the comic because i i, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more whisper redemption people that didn't want to be there but instead we got some more really obstinate people that were not too willing to help <laughs> right off the bat but uh the fact that they were eventually willing to help and that they did leave sort of in peace was nice but as soon as that information was divulged, everybody knew that they had to go and look. And of, of course, when you've got someone that you care about wandering around in the woods alone and so many threats out there, because you don't know how many more whispers are out there. You don't know uh, who else is out there or what else, because we've seen some weird zombie things and, and threats out there in the past, but they, they knew that they had to immediately go and find her while the odds were still somewhat okay that she was still alive. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Renee? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Kelly, you know, I think she, you know, she's very emotional. You know, we haven't seen a lot of emotion from her. You know, she's been pretty steady. She's, you know, she, 
you know, she's got to be, you know, it's her sister. She's got to be this whole time, you know, it's got to be weighing on her. But, you know, throughout this, you know, she encouraged Carol when Carol tried to apologize for everything that happened. You know, she was there for Elijah when she found out that his sister had been killed. You know, she she's tried to support everybody. I think whether I don't know whether she's just a strong person or she's um, just trying to cover up her emotions, you know, through all this. So, you know, to find out that, you know, her sister is alive, it was probably just an emotional I'm going to go kind of thing not really thinking it through kind of thing. Um, and I, I did, I thought it was pretty humorous though, that, you know, you know, even in a, an apocalypse, the committees got to meet to try to decide what should be done. And Ros Rosita is just like, uh, no, we're just going to do this and we're doing it, you know? <laughs> so I, that kind of struck me as funny that, you know, cause there's always a committee that has to meet to decide things. Um, so I thought that was pretty humorous. Which is really, no, you make that, that's actually a really good point, because if you think about the red tape that Yumiko and, and the group were going through, you know, trying to get answers at the Commonwealth, um, it's all, it's all red tape at the mm -hmm. Commonwealth. And there's so much, you know, that that's going to be a major, major culture shock, because as much as they want to say in Alexandria, like, oh, no, we're civilized, we have these, you know, committees, and we have this, you know, that's how we figure things out. No one really wants that. Like no one, you know, at the end of the day, if you're faced with like, I might starve or I could go find food, like you're going to go off and figure out what you need to do to eat and not wait for the committee to get back to you. So it's going to be a culture shock when those two, when those two groups, you know, if they, if they end up meeting or however that meeting goes, like that's going to be a really interesting dynamic, mm -hmm. but thankfully Rosita is the, uh, <laughs> Rosita was there too kind of clear the path and say nope let's just do it this way and uh you know once again we get this group of of women going out I thought that was really cool yeah. to have the women going out to do this uh, to, to go on this mission um you know after Kelly left of course like it was uh Magna and Carol and Rosita went out to to go find her and they did find her and um she had found the she had found her sister's stuff found her little tablet and kind of got some notes which Another little, I mean, that's one of those little Easter eggs that I love, the little details, like because Connie is deaf and because Connie has this notepad, Connie was able to write these notes that gives them a sense of what was going on because she was communicating with Virgil. And I think that was a really clever, clever use of that, that little detail to really accentuate the story because Kelly was then able to say like, she's out here, but she needs help. Like there's something going on. Yeah, that was, yeah, because they, because in, in the, those notes, it said that something was, someone, she thought someone was following them, and I liked how it said something about that Virgil knew Michonne or something, so I thought that was nice that, you know, kind of got the Michonne mention in there. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, you know, I, I think that's, um, I, 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 I do wish that there was a map that they could display, because I would love to understand where all of these things are happening relative to Alexandria, because if you, when you stop and think about it, you've got the, you've got Meridian that's, you know, sounds like it's, it's a couple days away on foot, but the fact that Carol and Magna and, you know, the whole group, they were able to get to this house as quickly as they did makes me wonder how, like how close Connie was to making it back it's, it seems like that there wasn't much distance there well yeah because they were at Oceanside Oceanside isn't that far from Alexandria that's true 
and that's that's, that's that's what I've wondered this whole time. I'm like, I mean, I understand Virgil doesn't know where Alexandria is, but Connie does. So, I mean, yeah, I, and I mean, she could be distant oriented from, you know, trauma in the case, you know, that all these things, I get that. But at the same time, yeah, I just don't quite understand. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, that timeline and, and where things are because they were, when, when they were in the tunnels, right. They were in DC, right. The subway tunnels are in, they were in DC. Right. Right. Okay. So that's, so Meridian is close to there. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Nothing makes much sense um as yeah like you said like that how far apart everything is yeah they were they were able to get there pretty quickly I mean Kelly was almost there they were able to catch up to Kelly from Alexandria once they knew she was gone Mm -hmm. like it seems like it was maybe a day maybe two days like there was definitely a night element to it I think or maybe well no there wasn't a night element because they got there she left during the day like so it, it at the very least they were let, let's just let's just go on the 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 longer end and say that there are two day there's a two day distance mm-hmm. so there really wasn't that much room which then i have to say because i, I asked this of ross marquand because it's been bugging me it doesn't seem like they should be starving because they can still go to fish at alexandria it's really not that far away and i know he said that he said in the interview that they have a fishery but i don't think the fishery is really going really well but I still don't understand why Oceanside has not been a factor at all yeah. since the, I said, I still don't get it. It's one of the mysteries and I'm trying to accept that, but there are fish in the ocean. <laughs> That's all yes. I have to say. <laughs> and I get it. You can get sick of eating fish, but I mean, if you're hungry, eat some fish. Well, you don't yeah, kill the eat- horse, you eat the fish. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would choose fish every day over a horse. <laughs> yeah, horse meat ain't so bad. <laughs> you need to get you need the horse to get to the fish though that's yeah. that was my whole thing is like that would it may still make zero sense to me because you need to get if, if, if they're not that far away the horse will get you there faster <laughs> so to use the horse to get the <laughs> but i digress i'm still having horse bitterness so <laughs> so let's let's jump over to um the other the other side of the story of of this week's story which i think is really fascinating so we have daryl in his real his first real kind of test with the reapers and um they the reapers have captured a member of maggie's group who knows where they are um there's a lot of suspicion going on you know carver definitely thinks that that daryl is is playing them and pope seems to to maybe trust Daryl, but I don't really trust anything Pope does. So I'm not too sure on that. I'd love to hear what you think about it. But I think that, you know, that it was really interesting. There was a lot of really interesting stuff going on and, uh, you know, whether or not they were going to get to this house where Maggie and Negan and the rest of of the group are holed up. Um, So let's hear your thoughts. I would love to, let's, let's, uh, let's start with you, Renee. Like what, what did you think about the, the other story in this week's episode with Daryl and the, and the Reapers? Well, I thought, you know, I, obviously Pope is testing Daryl, you know, asking him, does, does this bother you? Oh no, I've done worse. You know, Daryl's trying to be tough and you know, all this. And so he's like, all right, so you go in there and, and it, you know, Daryl's been like, okay, I'm going to try to make sure Frost doesn't get killed here because <laughs> he's almost dead looking. <laughs> and so, you know, he thinks, okay, I'm going to do this and He's kind of given him hints and clues of what to say to him so that, 
you know, they both couldn't get out of there alive. You know, I think he probably felt that if he could, you know, get some information from him, vague information, you know, enough or whatever that, you know, then Pope would maybe let Frost live. And I, I mean, I was shocked at the, you know, that Daryl went as far as he did. <laughs> I didn't know that it would go that far, but I think he had to prove um, that he was on their side to the, both of them wouldn't get killed. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, Pope just stood there the whole time, just chewing his gum, just nonchalantly chewing gum, like nothing. I don't know. It was just a very odd thing to me because it was like, nothing was out of the ordinary and he was just very calm about everything. And, uh, you know, Carver obviously has it out for Daryl. I mean, he has gun ready and everything. And he was, he was going to, um, I, I don't know what is, if it was, if that was for Daryl or for Frost, you know, but he was definitely on the ready for whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, I, this group is definitely uh, perplexing, you know, trying to figure out what, what they're, what their end game is. I don't understand what, you know, what their purpose is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, I do kind of question that because they, they're the ones sitting on all of the supplies. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, if anything, it's almost like they're just either really paranoid or they're really concerned that, you know, that the paranoia has led to this concern that somebody's going to try and take their stuff, but it seems like they, you know, maybe that's their military training. Like they, they feel like they have to be on the offensive all the time, but it is, I mean, you're right. It is kind of a weird perspective. Well, and I think, you know, I think everybody agrees. There's, you know, there's obviously more going on with Pope and Maggie than we've been told. Maggie's hiding something. And, and maybe that's just ultimately what it is, is whatever has gone on between Pope and Maggie, that's, that's their driving force or whatever. But I, I don't know. <laughs> As he is, you know, he wants for something. <laughs> Renee, I believe you and I had a small exchange on Twitter about Georgie and whether or not we think she's actually still alive. Yeah. <laughs> and that that might be something that Maggie may be hiding mm -hmm. because she said that Maggie and the, I've been calling them the techno twins because I don't <laughs> remember their names. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that they went off in search of another, you know, they were interviewing another group of people mm -hmm. and I made a joke that they were going to come back with some records and find all their people dead. <laughs> and now I am starting to wonder a little bit if, if Maggie was kind of downplaying what happened at her settlement and if something happened and she didn't want to admit that everybody else was dead, including those people. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not really sure what happened there. Mm -hmm. And how much of that can be blamed on Pope and his people? Yeah, it's an, I mean, it's, it's interesting because uh, Jeffrey and, and Johnny last week were kind of saying the same thing, that there does seem to be something missing that Maggie isn't putting forth. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like that's what Negan's kind of picking up on. Because, you know, when he, like, it's like, it's like if you're upset about something or if you're frustrated about something or something else in your life is happening and you start picking on someone or picking you know, out like oh you're pissed off about work so you pick a fight with your husband and it's like you know it's human nature to do that and I feel like her obviously you know I don't want to get into like you know Maggie and Negan too much but mm -hmm. 
I, I do feel like there's more to that. Like she is antagonizing him and he's picking up on it as like, you're not telling us everything. And it's starting with the reason why you're, you know, you, you want to kill me, but you've also got this other stuff. Like there's something else. And I, I feel like he's picking up on it because he would do the same thing. Like if he had a, a hidden agenda or if he had a hidden piece of information that that could be like, I, I just feel like there's something that he's, he might be picking up on. And that's why he's getting increasingly frustrated with the idea of leaving his life in her hands because she's not really revealing all of the cards and there's something there's clearly something to this however though last week when negan wanted to move on from that house and maggie kept telling him no we're waiting waiting is what we do we said we'd be waiting and he did stick around and it ended up being the right call because people did show up i'm wondering if that experience right there gave a little bit more of a comfort to Negan in terms of how much he can trust Maggie going forward. And if that alone is a little bit of an olive branch that can help make a little bit of repairing grow, because I, I, I loved Glenn probably as, at least as much as other viewers of the walking dead, he was my absolute favorite. And, and I get that his, him passing on so, so abruptly in the series was crushing. But to keep holding this over Negan after how many people were, were taken from Negan and the small number of people that he took, I, I mean, when you weigh it that way, as far as just numbers, Negan looks like a saint. Mm -hmm. But because it's people that we knew and people that were important to us, Negan can seem like a monster. And Maggie might be seeing Negan as a little less of a monster now, even though Negan did make that one decision to not help her at one point. Uh, he may be changing his tune a little bit now that he's realizing that maybe he's not making a lot of the right decisions and Maggie can be a competent leader and they can work together and survive. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely can see that i mean their their relationship is changing and again i don't use relationship in any other way other than to say it is two people interacting in a situation and they're boning <laughs> but but yeah i mean there is there is definitely there's definitely something uh something that they want us to see and i think uh, i think that's going to continue to play out because you know there's it's I mean, you're, you're not wrong, Adam. And, and that's everything about this is perspective. In fact, when I think back to, to Michonne's final episode, you know, with, with those drugs that Virgil put her on, like that was a, a really good way of seeing like everything on the walking dead is perspective. Yeah. It depends on who you ended up with and where you started. And, you know, nothing is, is the way it was. And nothing there can is, be a version of the walking dead where the governor is a good guy. Oh, but yeah, but absolutely. I mean, it, if that would be a great like alternate universe thing where you flip everything and it's Rick's group who comes in and causes problems for everybody else. I mean, technically, if you're just living in, you know, if you're just in one place and some other group comes to you and then things start going south, like, 
you were technically invaded, right? Like that. So that yeah. was invaders, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's all a matter of perspective. And obviously we're, we're on the side of Rick and, and all of that, but I, I, it is, it is interesting. And, you know, for the sake of this story and this episode specifically, I think what's so brilliant is, you know, the way that Daryl was able to impart this information to give his friends a enough information so that they know what they're facing and b time to get out of there like thank god there was another way out of that place because it that i mean not only so not only was because it, it, it made me wonder when daryl was trying to send people like you know they already ran away that was clever right because mm-hmm. that way leah sent her people out and said they're already probably one click out so that gave them the chance to be they already searched all the other buildings they already knew it so they could get back they could leave that that house and get somewhere else because everybody else is out searching beyond where they are so that was all really really brilliant um but now it's i mean i feel like the confrontation with maggie's group and the reapers is is all but guaranteed to happen soon mm-hmm. it has to so is daryl just really good at searching houses or are the reapers terrible <laughs> Well, Daryl's a tracker and he, I mean, he pays attention to things. He's very, you know, he, he pays attention. Because so. uh, the Reapers have been uh, not <laughs> the most observant so far. Yeah. And they don't seem to care too much about playing a lot of games because they'll march down right down the road at you. <laughs> I, I mean, they're very straightforward people, which yeah, I'm not really used to seeing because, of course, the last people that we saw on the walking dead as far as antagonists they dressed up as walkers and <laughs> I, I don't know if there was a much more shocking moment than when jesus was killed in that graveyard yeah i mean was... that was a big eye opener it was like wow but this is a different force they will walk straight at you and i i'm i i know the governor was sort of that way but it takes some uh, some big grapefruits to be that kind of person. And I know that's kind of army that Pope wants is, is that confident, just powerful group that makes people run in fear and then they can hunt them down. And so far, he's gotten that sort of response from our heroes. But once they get organized and once they understand what they're fighting, this could be a whole different uh, can of beans here. Mm-hmm. Well, we already know that they have no problems blowing themselves up. I mean, like right. they've they've kind of gotten that. Although I have to say, the more we see inside the Reapers encampment, I don't see any of those people being that type. It's almost like those people were like the the red shirts, you know, like they're the ones that got sent out because they're crazy enough to do that. But I don't, I don't. Like, I don't see Carver, for example, blowing himself up. No. Like, he he seems more dangerous because he's not going to do that. And he's going to go off script. And he's not going to put himself in that situation because he wants to survive. Whereas, you know, the guy who blew himself up was like, I'm going to blow myself up. Boom. <laughs> done. Like, done. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that blowing up scene anymore. That 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 was just bad. <laughs> 
but it does make you wonder. So there, I mean, there is, <laughs> there is, there is definitely that, but it's, uh, I mean, it, it, the interesting thing, and, and I want to go back to, to something you said earlier, Renee, about, um, you know, the way that, the way that the Reapers, the way that Leah, you know, had kind of reacted with, uh, when they put, shoved the guy into the fire. And I think what's really interesting about the way that Leah looks at Daryl when they're in the house and she's like, she's seen the, the stress between Daryl and Carver. And she's realizing that this is not going to go well because Carver, she knows both of these men in very intense ways. Like they've both <laughs> been through, you know, both of these men have been with her in very, uh, you know, Biblical? intense situation. Well, you have that and like they've been through <laughs> some stuff, right? Like they've, they've obviously been through stuff. So she's putting in a, in a really kind of impossible situation where I think she's starting to see that the, that everything's crumbling, you know, the cracks are in the foundation and, and there's a lot of things that are crumbling because ultimately she has to make the decisions, you know, to, to keep them going. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think one of the things that was so, um, I don't know, I don't know how to read this. And, and we definitely need to talk about this when they get back to Meridian and obviously they failed their mission because they didn't find anybody, but they did find evidence that they were there. When Pope looks at everybody and he's like, yeah, I went in and I talked to the guy and, you know, he obviously he's dead and tied up to a tree and he's a walker now. Did you pick up on the fact that Pope was like, I learned a lot. Like he was kind of hinting that maybe some stuff was revealed because I kind of got this really sense, this strong sense of foreboding. Like, what did this guy say? Or on the, on the, the flip side, the, the clever way of doing this would, the, would be that the guy didn't say anything. And Pope is just trying to use that to manipulate Daryl to think that the, you know, the guy revealed something about him. But it was a really interesting statement. And um, yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think about that. I didn't think he said anything. I just thought he was trying to get some information. Uh, from what we saw, I don't believe that any information that could have been extremely useful would have been shared at all and uh i i, I don't know daryl's identity do you think that he gave up that he knew who daryl was no now i think frost he was pretty loyal and um i think i think those i think the warden seemed like a really loyal group to maggie and to each other and I mean, I know he didn't know Daryl besides just meeting him and seeing him, but he knew he was friends with Maggie and I think he would stay loyal to that. So I don't, I just, I think it was Pope's way of just being, you know, Pope and saying like, yeah, like, you know, you said maybe just to see Daryl's reaction or something. Plus if he can make it seem like he has more information that makes it seem like he has more power. Mm -hmm. And for him right now, in order to stay in control, he needs to have that power. In the yeah, zombie apocalypse, I mean, information is power, supplies are power, manpower is, of course, power. And right now, he needs to have all of those because he's, he's starting a little bit of a war here, and he's going to have to need as much of all of that as he can get. Yeah, because their numbers are dwindling. If they had 15 to start, 
and they they've lost you know how many their their numbers they don't they don't have a lot of people i mean i know they're skilled but there's just not a lot of them right yeah and that's i mean i i feel like i feel like pope is you know aside from being totally insane <laughs> he's the kind of person like you know it's, i think it's 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 one of those things because it's it's something that we're dealing with even right now in real life but um information is power yes but misinformation is also power and making someone think that something you know it's it's almost like he's gaslighting daryl in this moment like i may know something about you but i may be lying like you know i can't really blame him there because when he interviewed daryl at at first i would uh i'd I'd, i think it's fair to say that daryl probably failed that entrance interview he and Pope did not seem to be on the same page about most things, but Daryl was honest about what he had. And I think Pope saw during the torture scene and everything that he could have some sort of good soldier here. So I think he's trying to use any information he's got to blackmail Daryl to stay with him. But I don't think he really understands that no matter what he does, he's not going to get him. And the longer that he can keep, the longer that he keeps Daryl in his group, the more likely it is that Leah will eventually find herself straying from the group. Yeah, because as we know, Lynn Collins is a has been made a series regular. So, um, for better or for worse, we know that that doesn't always mean longevity on this show. Um, but it is an interesting, it's an interesting aspect that, you know, that, that she is now part of the show and she's, she's going to be here at least a little bit. And I def, I mean, there's definitely something that's going to come down. It's going to come down to something, you know, either she saves Daryl's life or she helps him escape and then she's in, she also lives, but there's, there's something to, um, I feel like I personally feel like Leah is seeing the cracks in Pope and realizing that this is getting to be a worse and worse situation. We have to do something and it's just not, this is not going to go well. Absolutely. This This is building up to where Leah will have to make some big decision. And right now I'm not sure what that situation is going to be, what the decision is going to be and how it's going to impact everybody. But eventually, that's probably going to be the call. And that's going to impact whether or not Leah gets to come and maybe join Team Heroes. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, for now, Leah is kind of playing the good soldier. But you can tell, as you said earlier on, she's not exactly happy with where she is, but she feels safe and comfortable there. Mm -hmm. And of course, everyone wants to be a little bit happy, though. (laughs) Okay, so when she came up missing, you know, when Daryl went back to the cabin, the cabin had been kind of ransacked and there were like bullet holes in the thing, you know, the walls and all that. So, but, you know, her son's picture was taken. So do you think that was just their way of like covering their tracks or, you know, what do you? Because there's, I've, I've read different other people's different perspectives on that. My theory was that they did essentially what they kind of did with Daryl. That they took her by force and they kind of manipulated her into joining their group. Well, Lynn Collins said before that she, like, 
when she told Daryl, because I, I talked to her a couple of weeks ago, she said that when she, before Daryl came along, or when Daryl was there, she said that she was trying to get back to her family. And right. she said, for all intents and purposes, the Reapers were her family. So they came back and got her. Right. And the question is how that all went down. That, yeah. And that's, yeah, because the story that I understood it was that the Reapers are who she left with. But why was the cabin ransacked and bullet holes in there? But she was able to get the son, you know, if they took her, how was she able to get her son's picture? But the place was all, you know, mm. ransacked in that. So, yeah, there was just different people's speculation that she was taken, you know, by a force, but they, whatever, let her get the picture or even that kind of thing. So I just wondered, because she yeah, said it was, it was her squad, you know, like these are, these are her people that she's been with before. So we do know that, but I just wonder what you guys thought about that. Yeah, it makes you wonder though, if you think, I mean, when you, when you, you know, it's almost like she needed, she took a break for, from them. Like it, it, the whole, there are these really interesting gaps because it's almost like she knew they would come back for her, but she was just trying to do her own thing for a while. And, you know, cause it, it raised, there's so many weird questions. Like why didn't dog go with her? Yeah. Why? you know, now dog's back with her and, and like he's at the camp and like that nothing's happening to dog as far as we know. But um, it, it's almost like they sent her, like she got it, got away for a little bit. And then they were like, no, you need to come back. Like you need to, you need to do this or, or were there issues before? I mean, you know, one of the challenges, and, and this is something that she, she, she had kind of talked about before was that she's the only one, the only woman mm -hmm. in this group of men. So you know, did that play into it? Did they, did they send her away for a reason or did she, you know, say like, I need to get out of the situation. It's not good. And maybe something, maybe that's how Pope came to power. Maybe Pope wasn't always the one in charge. Like, you know, maybe there was a, a leadership thing. Like there, I, I think we can make a really good point. Like there's something very, there's something really important that happened that led her to leave the Reapers mm -hmm. in the first place. And then that whatever happened for them to take her back and the fact that she's been with them for all these years, because now we can say that like that time period when Daryl was with her was right after Rick disappeared. So it's been years and years that she's been with these people and she hasn't tried to get, as, as far as we know, she hasn't tried to get away since. And, and then the other thing that I want, you know, like with Elijah, why does he wear that mask that's like the Reapers? Because he's very young. You know, he probably didn't serve with these guys, you know, because he seemed, he looks much younger and his sister was killed by the Reapers. So was she part of, you know, was she part of the group or, you know, I just feel like he has some connection to them somehow. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, there's something, there, there <laughs> is something there. I mean, and, and that could be the tie between Maggie and Pope. Mm -hmm. there's so many pieces to it but there's there's definitely question um and and now I'm just kind of now I'm thinking back if Meridian let me just let me just think about this real quick if Meridian's in DC or close to DC the cabin where Daryl and Leah were staying was on his mission to find Rick so somewhere along that path wherever he was scouting so it makes you like were the reapers 
always in Meridian? Like they they took over Meridian because that was like the whole the whole thing that Maggie talked about. But where did they come? Like they they must have been were they near the cabin? Like you know, like I'm I'm just thinking like they they must have been closer to Alexandria than we realized. Like all of these people, like that's that's why the map would be so important because it feels like everybody was kind of just out there but not too far away and that's how they're all coming together you sound like me watching fear trying to figure out the hot air balloon truck stuff (laughs) you want to know adam that i was driving to san clemente the other day which is just about 60 miles north of san diego and there were two hot air balloons in the truck next to me the baskets the balloons very awesome because people do ballooning all the time here. So if, if I, if the apocalypse breaks out, I'm going to go get myself a balloon and fly it just to show you that I, I can go get one <laughs> anytime I want. I know where they are. And if I'm in LA, I know where the damn Goodyear blimp is too. Cause that's right off the freeways, right off the 405, right before you get to LAX, it's right there. And you could just go steal it and you can have a blimp. blimp. If the roads are closed and you fly a hot air balloon in there and then yeah. something happens, you can just take a truck out the truck can get out how could it get in doesn't matter don't just don't even ask those questions i'm gonna get the hot air balloon and i'm gonna go fly the hot air balloon and then i'm gonna get a blimp and i'm gonna fly the blimp and i'm gonna fly it over your house in the apocalypse and i'm gonna say see adam i told you i could get a blimp totally get a blimp and i'm gonna power it with nail polish there you go <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, this, you know what, you guys, this has been so much fun. And for anyone who's wondering what the heck we're talking about here, Adam made a very clever Fear the Walking Dead reference about season five's hot air balloon adventure. And the nail polish thing is something that was from Walking Dead World Beyond that we had to do some research. I did some research on. I didn't do any research. I just listened to her research. But it, it's an important point because now that we've, uh, as we wrap up our conversation on this week's episode of The Walking Dead, starting next week, we're going to have The Walking Dead World Beyond Season 2, and we're going to have uh, Fear the Walking Dead coming back for Season 7 within like the next two weeks. So the, these next two weeks are going to be Walking Dead, World Beyond, Fear the Walking Dead, and we're going to be talking about it. So buckle up there's a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks a lot of zombies coming your way Mm -hmm. so much so we'll have a lot to talk about we'll be breaking it all down on the podcast and um before we leave i want to give everybody i want to give renee and adam a chance to talk about where you can find their work um if renee's name sounds familiar it's because she is now the site expert at undead walking so she's the one who's bringing you all of that wonderful content and um, running the Undead Walking Twitter account and all of that. But Renee, tell us where we can find your work. Um, well, you know, und- I, like Sarah Beth said, I do the uh, Undead Walking site and I also write for um, Netflix Life and um, Amazon Advisor as well. So that's where you can see all my stuff. <laughs> Awesome. And you do it. You do another podcast too, don't you? Um, yeah. So um, it used to be the Beast Mode podcast, but we've changed it because we added me to it. So now it is um, called Beauty and the Beasts, plural. And so we <laughs> do that. Uh, we do that on Mondays generally. Um, this week we had some 
illness in the group. So we did, we took a pause, but we usually meet on Mondays at, um, we have a YouTube channel and we just meet, uh, we do it live um, at about 7 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel. Oh, awesome. And where, where can we find you on Twitter? Um, it's Iowa Mama of Three. Awesome. Awesome. And I have to say, you have the best, the best pictures of sunrises. And I love all of the content <laughs> that you put out on Instagram. And it makes me wish that I was a morning person. So thank you for all of those beautiful pictures that you share. And in addition to all the work that you're doing in the Walking Dead universe. Oh, thank you so much. And Adam is it. Adam has been a frequent guest on the podcast, but where can we find your work, Adam? Well, every once in a great while, I'll put something up over on Undead Walking. It's not too often, though. Most of the time, if you want to find my writing, you'll find it over on thevikingage.com, which is where I've been spending a lot of my time talking about the Minnesota Vikings, who are sadly 0-2 right now. So things aren't too, too great over there. But I do talk about the Minnesota Vikings on the podcast, which is a weekly show live over on YouTube and Twitch every week. I also try to do a horror movie review on my Twitch and YouTube channel, which is MN Viking Zombie, which is also where you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram if you want to talk about football, wrestling, Walking Dead, horror movies, whatever. You can hit me up there. My Instagram is more pictures of cats. So if you like cats, I, I do put pictures of cats. And not just any cats, his own cats. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Well, I want to thank my guests for uh, for helping me get through this episode of The Walking Dead. And don't worry, they will be back and uh, we'll have lots of more fun content coming to you uh, as we continue this journey of so much Walking Dead stuff. It's like fall. We should be getting ready for pumpkins and Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we're actually just going to continue on this journey of zombies and apocalypse stuff. So, you know. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So lots of content coming your way. Um, as a reminder, I want to thank everybody for, uh, for the reviews, for sending questions. Um, you know, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast so we can continue doing this. Uh, if you have any questions or want us to talk about anything on future podcasts, hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock, which if you are familiar with the restaurant in New York, it's the same spelling of that restaurant in New York. And my last name is the same spelling as the artist. So if you can't remember my name, just think restaurant artist and you'll get it. Um, I just discovered that recently and I think it's really clever, but only if you know what I'm talking about. So it only really makes sense in my brain, but you know, that's okay. Um, so yeah, for now, I want to uh, thank you for making it along. If you have listened this far, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll, we will be back with more Walking Dead content next week. So for now, I want to thank you. I want to remind you to wash your hands. Or no, no, I want to, you have to stay safe, then wash your hands and watch out for the walkers. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>